What's up, y'all? Welcome to At the End of the Day Podcast. I am your host, Sheree, and I hope you had a great day today. We are sticking with the theme for this season of Digging Deep by naming today's episode, It's Okay to Not Be Okay. I know it sounds cliche, but hear me out. Just take a minute ask yourself, how many times are you not okay? And a family or friend asks you, how are you? And you say, I'm okay. Knowing that you are not okay. How many times have you felt the need to fake it until you make it? As I mentioned in the previous episode, I have been through a lot in my life. This season, I plan to be vulnerable and honest with you about the trials and tribulations I have faced and share how I overcame them. Two of those trials and tribulations are anxiety and depression. Let's talk about it. For some reason, it was easier for me to accept that I had anxiety than it was for me to accept that I had depression. Years ago, it always seemed like if someone talked about having anxiety or depression, people would look at that person as if they were going crazy or that they grew an eyeball in the back of their head. People were looked at as strange for having anxiety and or depression, but there is nothing strange about it. Truth is, anxiety and depression are real. Today, I want to share my experiences of anxiety and depression with you. I will also share the things that help me manage my anxiety and overcome my depression. This episode is for the people that struggle with anxiety and or depression. This episode is also for people that have never experienced anxiety or depression, but know someone that does. I hope this helps you to better understand that person. Now let's dig deep. I want to start with talking about anxiety. Oxford Language's definition of anxiety is a feeling of worry, nervousness, or unease, typically about an imminent event or something with an uncertain outcome. I don't know about you, but I have experienced feelings of anxiety more times than I can count. My experience with anxiety started when I was in college. It started with taking exams because I always worried that maybe I didn't study enough. What if I fail this exam? Or worse, what if I fail this class? Eventually, I noticed that anxiety moved into every aspect of my life. I have a degree in pharmaceutical product development. Getting into the pharmaceutical industry is not easy, especially fresh out of college. They want you to have five plus years of experience. Now, how in the world can I get five plus years of experience if I was in college for four years? Make it make sense. Anyways, applying for jobs that I truly wanted was the easy part because they might call back or they might not. I could accept that. The hard part for me was when they did call back. All of the what ifs started to creep in. What if I am not good enough? What if I do get the job and I can't keep up? I know I applied, but what if I end up disliking the job? Let's fast forward to my grandfather passing away in 2019. I was given the opportunity to purchase the home my grandmother and grandfather built from the ground up over 50 years ago. I am big on traditions and I just couldn't envision my family selling the house, especially because I always told my grandparents that one day I wanted to own the house. Now you're probably wondering, what is the problem? The problem was, I talked about wanting to own the house. One day. Key phrase, 
one day. I didn't expect to buy the house until I was at least 50 years old. This opportunity came while I was 27 years old. And on top of that, it came one week after he passed away because we all know that unfortunately, when someone passes away, it ends up being more about handling business before being able to grieve. So now here I am, overwhelmed with grief and anxiety. The what ifs welcome themselves right into the situation. What if I can't afford to buy the home? What if I don't have the money to maintain the mortgage? What if something breaks? That's even more money. What if I can't fix that? One what if would quickly turn into a hundred what ifs. Next thing I noticed, I didn't get enough time to process one, let alone a hundred. Once I hit 25 what ifs, I would feel a knot in my throat. 50 what ifs, my throat would start to close up. At 75 what ifs, not only is my throat tight to the point that I can barely breathe, but now I also have a headache. By the time I get to 100 what ifs, I am hyperventilating and having an anxiety attack. Now let me tell you something. If you have never had an anxiety attack, please know that you are not missing anything because they are not fun. It takes so much energy out of you. I learned that my feeling of anxiety came from me allowing the what ifs to control me. One day I came across a video on TikTok and a person said, what if it turns out the way you want it to? Better yet, what if it turns out better than you expected to? That spoke volumes to me because I realized that I never truly allowed my thoughts to entertain the positive outcome being a possibility. My what-ifs were always negative outcomes. The definition stated that anxiety is a feeling of worry towards an uncertain outcome. Let's focus on the phrase uncertain outcome for a second. This means that we don't know the outcome, right? Now ask yourself, if I don't know the outcome, then why am I allowing all of these what-ifs that create a negative outcome in my mind, the ability to control me and bring me down when I have the power and ability to change my what-ifs to a positive outcome. You have the ability to look anxiety in the face and tell it to leave you alone when you change the voice of your what-ifs from negative to positive. So instead of thinking, what if I fail this exam? Start to think, what if I pass this exam? Or instead of thinking, what if I am not good enough for this job? Start to think, what if I am more than good enough for this job? There are three things that help me with managing my anxiety. The first thing is taking natural supplements. There are two brands that I have tried, and no, this is not sponsored. I just love to share things that have helped me in the hope that it can help someone else. The first brand that helps me when my anxiety is trying to show up and show out is called Stress Tabs. You can get it at Walmart. It will help you relax and stay focused. Your anxiety will go from 100 to zero real quick. The second brand that helps me is Anxiety Now, this brand helps you relax, but it also helps you get a good night rest. That's something I only take before bed. The second thing that has helped me with my anxiety and managing it is therapy. I started to go to therapy because I was tired of feeling the way that I did. I am a strong believer that 
everyone should go to therapy at least once in their life. You will learn so much about yourself. While I was going to therapy, I was given an assignment. It was a form that I had to fill out every time I felt my anxiety starting to flare up. The form allowed me to break down my emotions of anxiety, and it helped me figure out where it was stemming from. It would start with having me answer what I was feeling in that moment. Next, I would have to answer why I felt that way. Then I would have to answer what facts I had to support those feelings I felt in that moment. It would end with me stating how I felt after pretty much realizing there were no facts to support my negative thoughts. This helped me a lot with navigating my what-ifs. The third thing that helped me and always helps me with managing my anxiety is praying to God about it. The Lord does not give us a spirit of fear or anxiety. So I realized that if I'm feeling those things, it can't be from him. I have always found it calming to share with him the thing that is causing me to spiral down a negative what if hole. By submitting that to him, it allows him to intervene in my life and fix that things that seems impossible to fix. Now let's dig a little deeper and talk about depression. I feel like depression is still not being talked about enough amongst friends and family. It's not everybody's favorite topic, but it's necessary to talk about because we all deserve to heal. The American Psychological Association describes depression as extreme sadness or despair that lasts more than days. It interferes with the activities of daily life and can cause physical symptoms such as pain, weight loss or gain, sleeping pattern disruptions, or lack of energy. People with depression may also experience an inability to concentrate, feelings of worthlessness or excessive guilt, and reoccurrent thoughts of death or suicide. I think this is a great explanation of depression because depression comes in many different forms. It doesn't just look like being sad all day or having suicidal thoughts. It can also look like lacking sleep or sleeping too much. It can look like the lack of motivation and energy to do something as small as showering. David Mann, who plays Mr. Brown on majority of Tyler Perry's movies and TV shows, was on the Tamron Hall show and spoke about his battle with depression. When he was asked what depression felt like, he said, It felt like I was drowning and nobody knew that I was drowning. And it felt like the only way people would know that I was drowning was if I drowned. Now, we all know David Mann as someone that has brought laughter to our lives on so many different occasions, from the plays to the TV shows to the movies. Even though he is known for bringing laughter, he had a season where he couldn't be that for people. I connected with the way he explained how depression felt for him because I've always described my battle with depression in a similar way. I've always described my experience with depression as treading water in the ocean, and you are working hard at just trying to keep your head above water. And it has taken everything out of you daily to simply keep your head a little above the water. You become so tired that you have no energy or motivation to keep treading. So you start to drown until you gain a little more energy to keep treading. I remember the year that I experienced depression. It lasted for nine months. And to this day, it was the hardest year of my life. I was a camp counselor at the time, so I had to fake it until I make it. 
I would smile at work, but when I got out of work, I would go home and lay in bed until the next morning. One of my friends even surprised me with Made in America tickets, and I told them to go without me because I just wanted to lay in bed. For an entire nine months, I battled a lack of energy to shower, go out with friends and family, or to clean my room. For an entire nine months, I was battling suicidal thoughts. Each day, I would work hard to hold on just another day. Now, there are three things that help me with my battle with depression. The first thing is my relationship with God. I know this also sounds cliche, but again, hear me out. I'm not saying it was as simple as it sounds because it definitely was not. I was mad at him for even allowing me to experience depression in the first place. I was so mad at him that I didn't even want to talk to him about it. I felt like he clearly didn't hear me because when the depression started, I would pray every day that he would just make it stop. But time continued to go by and he didn't. I felt like he didn't care about me because he was allowing me to go through this. At the same time, I grew up loving the Lord all of my life. So even in my anger, there was a part of me that never stopped loving him. I was raised to believe that he loves me and that he always wanted the best for me. In church, you're taught that God only requires that we have faith the size of a mustard seed. For those that don't know, a mustard seed is 2.5 millimeters. Now, based on how I was feeling at the time, that was honestly all I had left. So I decided to choose him every day. Even though I was mad at him and had no more motivation to pray, I was still choosing him in some form. So I would show up to church every Sunday. I continued to praise dance even though I was fighting for my life every day. And I listened to gospel music when I felt low. After almost five months of battling depression, I could see a little light at the end of the tunnel. And I started to gain a little more motivation to pray. I continued to have faith the size of a mustard seed, but I could tell God was interceding and helping it to grow little by little. After nine months of battling depression, I had a moment where I had realized all of my sadness, the lack of motivation, and the suicidal thoughts had finally stopped. If he did it for me, he can do it for you. And if you don't believe me, try him for yourself. The second thing that has helped me with my depression was being honest about how I was doing to myself and those around me. The most draining part of having depression was acting like I was okay when I truly wasn't. Do not fake it until you make it. That is not an impressive trait. It's actually a toxic trait to yourself. I know because the more I faked it, the deeper I fell into depression until one day I opened up to my friends about my genuine feelings. They made sure that I knew I was allowed to call them whenever I felt extremely low or just simply needed to talk, especially when I was battling suicidal thoughts. Being able to share those emotions made such a difference for me because I didn't have to wear a mask anymore. The third thing that helped me with overcoming my depression was learning about having a deficiency and a chemical imbalance. I ended up learning that I had a vitamin D deficiency. Once I started to take vitamin D, I noticed a huge difference in my mental health. To this day, if I do not continue my vitamin D regimen, I will notice that I start to like energy more and more, and then I start to not feel like myself. Now listen, I'm not a doctor, so what worked for me may not work for you. 
I'm not saying to start taking vitamin D, but what I am saying is have your doctor check your blood levels. Maybe you're deficient in something that you are not aware of. Now, guess what, y'all? It is Q&S time. For those of you who are listening for the first time, Q&S stands for quote in scripture. I share a quote in scripture at the end of each episode to help encourage you throughout the week. The quote I chose for this week is by Dr. Maya Angelou, and it says, You may not control all the events that happen to you, but you can decide not to be reduced by them. This is a powerful quote because she is saying that we may not be able to control every trial and tribulation that occurs in our lives, but what we can do is make the decision to not allow it to define who we are or diminish who we can become. If you are or have ever battled depression, you are not depression. If you are or have ever battled anxiety, you are not anxiety. Nobody signs up to choose to experience anxiety or depression. It is something you're going through, but it does not define who you are or who you will become. I chose Romans 8.28 in the New Living Translation as the scripture for this week, which reads, And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. This is one of my favorite scriptures, especially when I'm going through something, because it always reminds me that no matter what I'm going through, God plans to use it for my good. It says that he would cause everything, not some things, not a few things, but everything to work together for good. It may seem impossible, but none of us would be where we are today if it was not for the good and bad times. There is nothing too big or too hard for God. So hold on to this promise and allow it to encourage you this week. Before we go, I want to address the statement we always hear, and that's, make sure you check on your strong friends. I agree with that statement, but I think that the person that is considered the quote-unquote strong friend needs to allow their friends to be there for them and not suffer in silence. I know because I am considered the quote-unquote strong friend as well, but I realized that I created that narrative on my own. Nobody else put that on me, and when I decided to put my cape away and let my friends know that I needed them, they showed up and showed out for me. They became the ones checking on me, and they would call to pray with me. I was pouring into everyone else, and once I stopped and allowed my friends to pour into me, that's when healing started. I just want every listener to take a deep breath and know that if you are going through depression right now, I see you. If you are going through anxiety right now, I see you. Anxiety and depression are real. This week, I challenge you to be honest with yourself and at least one person you can trust. This challenge is not just for people battling anxiety or depression. Maybe something is stressing you out. Reach out to that person and share that. And if you don't have someone you can call or text, don't forget, You and I are friends, so you can always be honest with me and send me an email. My email address is ateotdpodcast8 at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Instagram under the name ateotdpodcast. I also challenge you to change your what-if thoughts. 
from what if this doesn't work out to what if this does work out? That is a wrap for this episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you like today's episode, make sure you subscribe. If you know someone that needs encouragement or you know that they are battling anxiety or depression, make sure you share this with them. I want all of my listeners to know you are doing the best that you can. Just remember that at the end of the day, it's okay to not be okay.